and welcome to the Words and Pictures podcast. I'm DJ Bowman Smith and this is Words and Pictures podcast number 24. This week is a solo episode and I'm going to be having a little chat about lots of different things. I'll be talking about my own author's journey. I know we all hate the journey word but it is a bit of a journey and I'll be having a little chat about my own experience of being an independent author and I'll also be talking about that old chestnut, the multi-income model. And, uh, and how it works for me and how it might work for you. And then I'll be having a little chat about what's coming up next year. So as I record this, I'm recording in the in-between zone of between Christmas and New Year, which is a really odd time of year. So I won't be telling you who my guest is next week because actually I don't in fact know. I have quite a few people lined up ready to go and it's all a case of sorting out the uh, Zoom calls in order to record the interviews. But, you know, call me old fashioned, but it still feels like we're on holiday and it's kind of a special time of year. And I'm very aware that a lot of people are having a bit of downtime and they're with their families or whatever. And I feel it's a bit rude to actually try and start trying to pin them down to do um, podcast interviews. So I'm going to leave that till the following week when all this stuff is over and we're well and truly into January and everybody's turning their minds back to what they should be getting on with. And so uh, who knows who my guests will be, and um, I'm sure it'll be absolutely delightful. But I've got lots of people lined up, um, different authors of all different walks of life, so I think that's going to be interesting times ahead. But I don't know who will be first on the list, because it kind of works out about who manages to come on the podcast first and do the do the interview, and then obviously the editing takes place, and then I link them up and, and do the whole thing. And I generally work in blocks. The trouble with the podcasting stuff is uh, it does take quite a lot of time. And I think people don't realise how much work goes into actually producing a podcast. I mean, it's all delightful stuff. And I really like the interview part when I'm having a chat with a person. And I always come away thinking, how fascinating was that? And it's great to talk to people, especially people that I kind of know on social media. And I've kind of seen their faces and their work. And I'm kind of aware of them. We've had a few chats or a few jokes across various social media outlets but so it's amazing to actually have a face-to-face chat with them over the zoom call so the zoom thing works really well uh we usually i use the video as we have the conversation because i think it makes a more um it makes a more normal conversation between the two of you sometimes the video doesn't work but mostly it does and that works really well then i ditch the video keep the audio recording which i then go ahead and edit when it's edited, then obviously I have to put on the, the intro and the outro. So that's my little bit of chat at the front and my little bit of chat at the end saying who the next guest is. And of course, the music. Then you have to convert it all into an MP3. And then I put it through another thing, which is called Orphonic, which actually cost me money to do. So far, it's free. I use the free Zoom thing and then the garage band on my little Mac computer here. And then I put the whole thing through a thing called Orphonic which kind of levels out the sound because I do find some people have much louder voices than me. In fact, with my quiet English accent, most people have a louder voice than me. And so unless you want to hear me very, very quietly, um, that kind of levels it all out with the music and the whole thing makes it sound a bit better. And also my sound editing is just not up to doing anything really fancy. And I think you can do all sorts of amazing things on the GarageBand, but it's beyond my skill set, I'm afraid, even though I have been taught by my lovely sound engineer daughter but I really have only got the basics here so once that's all done then I have to write the show notes 
then I load it up onto my hosting site which is called Podbean which I do also have to pay for so within the two things I need to pay for the Orphonic which levels out the sound makes it sound a bit better and the actual hosting of the of the of the podcast on Podbean so I have to pay for that as well so I don't charge guests to come on obviously not I'm happy to have anybody um, and I don't actually monetize a podcast yet because it's not old enough or big enough to be able to do that but I hope to be able to do it so in the future so you know the podcast is really when you're doing this I'm really thinking about a very long game here I hope to be doing this for quite a few years I really enjoy it and um, you know I hope you enjoy it too so tell your friends <laughs> and uh, remember it comes out every Monday and all that old chat right happy days so I'm talking about the podcast because that is part of my multi-income model I hope that in time maybe in another year that I will be able to monetize the podcast and put on it um, some adverts and some odds and ends so that uh, I can get a bit of money back from at least break even from what it costs me to in fact put it out there so that's the first thing and also it is a bit of soft advertising for not only my guests but also for myself as well so although people might not be aware of me as a writer they might know me as a podcast host and they might discover my work through that and I hope they also discover the work of the people that come along on the show so that's the first part of the multi-income model of, and it's a work in progress obviously the podcast is quite new we're only on episode 24 here and uh, I hope it'll grow and um, become a bit more of a thing um, so I'm going to get back to the multi-income model in a minute but I did say I would have a little chat about my own author journey so here goes to be honest I never really thought of myself as a writer I think I'm and I think I still don't really I think I think of myself more as a storyteller at any given time there's always several stories running along in my subconscious and whenever I'm bored especially if I'm driving or watching something that I don't really like on television <laughs> fishing program of my husband's then I'm running some other thing in my head um, and just seeing where the where the story will take me and I think I've always done it. I think I've done it as a child. I'm a lifetime sufferer of insomnia. And um, this was something that I had when I was very young. I can remember lying awake at night and just whispering away to my toys and telling them telling them stories that I wove in my head. It never really occurred to me to write any of this down. I just thought it was my coping mechanism. In fact, I think it is my coping mechanism. Um, but obviously, time went on and suddenly I decided that I would start to write these down. Now, I've quite often had a moan about my dyslexia and for sure this has definitely held me back. It's very hard to write things down when everything comes out backwards. And uh, when you look back at your work, you can't actually find out what it says because it's all such a muddle. I'm so old that computers and laptops and things uh, really only came into my life when I was in my 30s. So it kind of held me back really because it's not really until the laptop arrives and, or, or the computer arrives that I can really sort of get a handle on my dyslexia and it's been a big changer in fact it's been a game changer for me so when I was young I used to work on the cruise ships and I was a hairdresser and because uh, obviously academia has kind of passed me by and I didn't really get the chance to sort of express myself on paper until like I say the computers come along uh, and I bought myself this little brother typewriter that kind of printed out a sentence so you could write a, write the sentence and it would you could see it on a tiny little screen at the top of the keyboard. And I thought this would really help because as I wrote each thing, I could kind of go back and try and edit it somewhat before it actually printed it onto this very strange paper. It took little ink cartridges and things. 
And did this help? Well, it was a lot better than just trying to type or trying to write by hand, which has always been hopeless for me. And uh, it was a bit of improvement. I remember trying to write a book that was called, I think it, I remember the title of it, oddly, and it was called Good People. And I have absolutely no idea what it was about now. I probably didn't have any idea what it was about when I wrote, decided to write it. I think it was some sort of romantic twaddle. But anyway, happy days. So that was my kind of first thing. And anyway, the sh I worked on the ships for quite a long time, travelled the world and did all that kind of thing. And I was always sort of cooking up stories in my head. But to be honest, it was much easier to invent the stories and just keep working on them in my imagination. So cut to 10 years later, my husband decides that what he should what we should have is a computer. I said, oh, we don't need one of those. Surely not. But anyway, he decided that he was going to build a computer so that it would help him with his work. So sure enough, he bought the parts and he made a computer and got me on it to have a go and said, I think you should try this, Deb, because, you know, I think it would be really good for you. I thought what a load of rubbish. But anyway, I did have a go. And as soon as I my hands hit the keyboard and I could kind of see that I'd got a whole page of stuff there, which was all covered in red lines, I knew that uh, here was something that was going to correct my work as I went along. And that really was the thing. The computer can spell and I certainly can't. The funny thing is, with my own dyslexia, I can read quite well, although slightly slower perhaps than other people, although I'm a very persistent reader. Uh, but what I find with the computer is when I type a word, I've quite often got all the letters in the word. They're just all in the wrong, the wrong order. All the word, in fact, is backwards. It's not all a complete mess as it was, because I think actually the computer, writing on the computer does in fact help your dyslexia, certainly helped mine to quite an extent. And I'm not quite as a horrible mess as I used to be, although having said that, it doesn't really go away. Perhaps I'm just getting used to it. And also, I think the whole spell checkers, you know, pro writing aid, Grammarly and all those kind of things, you know, again, they've, they've been brilliant because they make life much easier for people like me that constantly muck it up. <laughs> anyway, so that was it. So I started to get on the computer. I took a degree um, because I could then suddenly write and I could study um, once I'd got the computer in my life. And I took a degree in psychology with um, religious studies. And then I became a primary school teacher, which I did for many years. And uh, during that time, I found that the stories never really went away. And if I was sitting through some boring assembly or something, sure enough, I, my mind would still be cooking up what, something that I could possibly write in the future. And the writing was kind of, you know, I kind of thought that one day that I would write some of this down and do something with it. Although what I wasn't quite sure or in fact what genre I wanted to write in. So sometimes I would be thinking about, you know, fantasy stuff. Sometimes I'd be thinking about children's stories and there wasn't any real you know, cohesion to anything. And actually, oddly enough, I still don't think there is, as you will hear me talk about when I talk about the, the multi-income model in a minute. So I don't know exactly when I started to actually write something down with, you know, seriousness, but I certainly did. And I wrote two things. I wrote some children's stuff and I also wrote the adult stuff, which is what I still do today, really. So I write grimdark fantasy on the one hand and I also write for children. And like most people, I spent far too long on those first few books, years and years, in fact, fiddling around, redoing it, rewriting it, getting people to read it who weren't writers or had any actual advice to give me. But then taking their advice anyway, and changing it all and faffing about endlessly. Anyway, but I think it's just a process that you have to go to in order to kind of hone your writing skills and your storytelling ability generally. 
for a long time I was quite unaware of the um, independent author model and well I knew of it but it would kind of seemed like not the thing that you did that proper authors proper writers uh, were traditionally published and so that was the kind of route that I went to and uh, I would pitch my work and I would I went to various um, writing conventions where you meet with uh, agents and all that kind of thing and I did get picked up for my children's work with an agent and uh, it kind of began and I thought oh this is it I'm going to be sorted but it was a very long-winded process and lots of sort of fiddling about and faffing around and I kind of began to see the light now at this point I had had a little dabble I dipped my toe into independent authorship and I'd published ebooks on Amazon as you do because it's quite easy but I hadn't really done the print copies or any of that kind of thing and I kind of fiddled around a little bit and you know put ads up on well not ads but you know use social media to try and promote myself and that kind of thing but not really taking it seriously kind of you know doing it but it was kind of a bit of a hobby but I began to take it more seriously and the whole getting an agent and fiddling around and realizing what a faff that was and kind of looking at contracts and thinking mm, I don't know this doesn't seem like it's in my favor I kind of began to see the light really quite clearly and realize that in order to make it work and in order to make it work for me as a person and as a creative that being an independent author would in fact be the answer and with this came a realization that I had a massive gap in my knowledge about how to make this work and I'd kind of looked around for other successful authors that were like me independent like me no matter what genre they were writing in and uh, and I found a few people along the way and you've probably heard of them Mark Dawson Joanna Penn you know and sort of looking at all their stuff and borrowing their ideas and their expertise and slowly over the years you know you begin to accumulate some knowledge yourself and you know you become one of the people that other people are asking advice of so that's basically my potted history of how I got to be an independent author so where in fact am I now well as I record this I have four books out in a dark fantasy grim dark fantasy series and I also have a free giveaway little novella thing you know for the sign up for the mailing list and I have one children's book out called Sophie Line Diamonds and Thieves, which is the first in a series of, I hope, what will be about a seven book thing. So that's basically me as an author of books. But what of the multi-income model? Let's have a little chat about all the other bits and pieces that I do that bring in a little bit of money here and there. But before I get into it, I think we need to just have a little bit of a mindset thing as to uh, why bother with multi-income model. Well, the trouble with it is it's never good to put all your eggs into one basket. Some days the book sales will be down for whatever reason. You can advertise, you can do whatever you like, you know, you can run all the promos and, you know, there's something in the in the air that makes that week or that month a really poor one. And everybody suffers from this. So it's a good idea to have other things that you bring in a little bit of income from. Now, I'm not massively good at the multi-income model. However, I do, do dabble in it and I do manage to make a little bit of money from other writery things or arty things, uh, as well as the actual books that I write. And the thing is, when you put all these little bits together, hmm, it's not too bad. I'm not saying I make a fortune. I'm not by any means a six-figure author or even a three-figure author, to be honest. Um, but I do make a little bit and it's very nice to have that. So the first thing is that you probably often heard me mention is that I do write magazine articles. Now, I've written for Writers Magazine. You can quite often see me in there rabbiting on about um, 
guess what, independent authorship and other bits and pieces. And also I write for women's magazines and in fact any magazine that I think will, that I can sell my work to. Generally I have an idea for something and I think, ah, oh, now that would, that would be a magazine article that I could write. And what you do is you find out who the editor is and then find out who the sub-editor is or the editor for the type of thing that you're writing in. And this just depends on the magazine that you're pitching to. Sometimes editors will just cover a certain area. So one might be covering, I don't know, family issues or travel and holidays. You just have to look through and find exactly who you need to send the article that you hope to get into that magazine to. But obviously you don't send the article, you send the idea with a really catchy tagline and you tell them why you think you, that article would fit in to, your, to their magazine. And, uh, and that's about it really. And generally they're pretty good. You can do it by email these days. You don't have to send all the older paper bits and pieces off like you used to and it used to cost you money. You know, it's cheap, it's free. And uh, when you get in the swing of it, if, and especially if I'm thinking, right, this is it, I'm really going to try and pitch you know, regularly to different magazines, it's surprising how often you can get going. Now, one of the things that makes this work is to have a good website. You're not really going to um, get a magazine article published and certainly get paid for it if you don't really have a, a website where you look professional. And one of the things that you need to have on your website is some examples of your writing. Now, you could just pr print, um, you know, general chats and bits and pieces but the best way to do this of course is the old-fashioned thing of a blog. I do still keep my blog up and I don't think many people read it but I do think editors go in and have a look just to check that you can in fact string a sentence together and I think the thing about the blog is it's very much a case of it's quite light-hearted and it's quite a chatty magazine kind of style and I think that's what they go in and have a look and they can see that you can, in fact, be trusted if they ask you to write the magazine article in which you've pitched for. So that's my advice on that. Now, the downside of uh, publishing magazine articles or getting magazine articles published is that they don't pay you until the article has actually got into the magazine itself. So, you know, that's a bit of a pain because magazines generally work sort of six months or even more ahead uh, so you need to consider that when you're pitching so it's no good you know writing a magazine or pitching an article to them about Christmas actually at Christmas because they would have done that in the summer so you need to you know be aware of that kind of thing so you might not get paid for another six months which is a bit of a, a little bit of a drag but having said that if you keep the ball rolling and you have a few magazine articles going out here there and everywhere um it's it's very nice when that you know bits and pieces do in fact pop into your bank account and uh, you think oh gosh that's good and they pay surprisingly well actually now having said this it is very important to keep track of you know you need a good spreadsheet and write down when the article is due to be published and then you would expect to be, be paid probably on the first of the following month. That's generally how it works. But keep a track of it because it's surprising how often these things um, slip away and they might forget to pay you, in which case you can send them a quick email. It's usually rectified. I've found it, you know, being absolutely fine. But sometimes if you don't write, if you're not a regular contributor to that publication, then the uh, piece of... Um, 
writing that you've done might get kind of slipped through the net. I don't think it's anything sinister. It's just one of those things. So just keep an eye on it, especially if, like me, you write for all sorts of bits and pieces. You know, it's important to keep a track of who owes you money and what. So also the other thing that I often say that I'm a writer and I'm an artist and you probably heard me chat our last episode that I was in fact working on some cartoons. So sometimes a cartoon comes to me and I have a little sketch of this and I'll send this off. It works exactly the same way as the magazine articles. You know, you, you, you pitch to the to the correct editor and you will get paid on publication uh, now, it's important when you're having a little look through the contracts, uh, I don't worry about it too much, but you can ask for a thing called a kill fee, in which case you'll get a small amount of money if they decide that actually they won't run your article or your artwork or your cartoon and you'll get a little bit of something, but it'll be very small. So it's I don't know. I don't know whether it's worth faffing around with it. Personally, I think keep everybody sweet, you know, go for it and um, see where it takes you. So the books themselves then. Well, I actually run two author names. So I'm DJ Bowman Smith, which is what I do this podcast under. And uh, is it my real name? It actually is. It was my maiden name. So I'm actually Deborah Joanne Bowman Smith. I actually am a real person. That is my real name, although I am married now and uh, I don't actually generally use my married name on, on these bits and pieces. So that's what I use for my adult work. Now, the trouble with my adult work, it is a bit feisty and uh, I am writing something uh, to do with witches and uh, there would be a bit of bit of smut in there, which I think is quite fun to write. So that's my kind of my new thing, which I'll be putting under the DJ Bowman Smith name. Uh, so my children's work, I decided really shouldn't cross across into the adult side of it. So I use another name. So that's another a stream of income for me I write under another name and that name is Tiger Molly which obviously is a made-up name why that name well once there was a child in my class and she was called Tiger and I thought what a cool name <laughs> so I've kind of pinched it um, she wasn't called Tiger Molly that was just her first name and it was a very long time ago but I thought that is such a cool name imagine being called Tiger and uh, the nice thing about, you know, choosing a pen name is you can choose any pen name you fancy. So I thought I'm going to have this tiger thing. And then I thought Molly kind of went with it. So there we are. So that's me. So I run two author names, which are which is tricky. I may talk about the ins and outs of that at a later date, but uh, it does give you two different things that you can work under and two different avenues for selling your work in whatever form that might be. So. So, for example, I do have some very short stories which I might pitch to a children's magazine and I can use my Tiger Molly name for that. And then if I'm, you know, pitching more serious stuff, I probably, you know, use the DJ Bowman Smith website for that. So I have a website for each thing, which I think is important to validate each name. So each book is available as an ebook and also as a paperback. I haven't actually done apart from the children's book, which I do have as a hardback as well, I think. Did I have I actually done that? Anyway, but uh, yes, yeah, so they are available in multiple formats. Uh, the other thing is audio. Now, unless you've had your head in the clouds for the last two or three years, you'll understand that audio is, in fact, a really big market and a growing market for um, all authors. I have, in fact, got my children's book uh, which I've narrated myself and it's ready to go. I have, did in fact do the cover for it, you know, 
for the for the audiobook a couple of months ago and really it's just a case of taking a week and finding out how to get that uploaded to um, whichever platform I decide to get the audiobook out there so I definitely think that audiobooks are another valuable stream of income to be had and I hope to do my uh, adult stuff as well at some point but I'm kind of I can't quite decide whether I want to employ a narrator or maybe do it myself I don't really know the children's work I'm quite happy to narrate narrate myself you know it, it's a female character and I don't really have a problem with doing that and like, like I say I used to be a primary teacher so I can definitely read a kid's book out and, I, and I'm quite happy with the files that I've made but the adult stuff I don't know I kind of feel it needs to be read by a man so um, I'll let you know but it's something I definitely am planning to do in the future. So audio is, you know, that's on my to do for next year or rather this year, because already when this goes out, it'll be 2023. But although, as I've said before, I'm sitting here in that strange time in between Christmas and New Year. Uh, so let me have a think. So the other thing is I just failed to mention earlier that also when you're publishing your books, it's really important, even if you go exclusive to Amazon, if you're not doing the whole wide model where you've got everything across all platforms, it's important to remember that if your ebooks are exclusive to Amazon, you can still publish your paper copies on other platforms. They don't need to be exclusive to Amazon as well. Um, so I publish with Ingram Spark for my paper books also. And uh, hopefully when Kobo get round to the, you know, doing the paper stuff I'll probably go on there as well so we'll see how that goes so there we are then that's me um, my little multi-income model of two author names and uh, you know magazine articles few cartoons a bit of artwork on the side anyway I'm just sharing this because I think it's quite useful to understand that not all of us are just just making money from our you know our actual writing of the books as it were you know most of us have got a few things going on in order to um, bring in a steady little stream of cash and uh, so have a go you know have a have a little look and see what you're good at and I think the interesting thing about doing a few magazine articles is you can tap into your other other interests within your life you know so you know you might write uh, thrillers but you might also be interested in bird watching or something and it's surprising how your writing skills can can become really useful and you can do a few little extra things or indeed you know like me if you do your own book covers and you do your own um you know illustrations as i've illustrated my children's work you know you can think oh well i could do a few little bits and pieces um on the side and it's quite nice to get that little bit of extra cash coming in so i would say have a go i mean don't make it so that it becomes a a massive thing and you don't know what you're going to do next but as long as it's enjoyable and uh, it brings in a bit of bit of extra well you know it's it's a good thing to do anyway well that's my own personal experience that I thought I'd share with you dear listener I hope it's been useful I hope you feel a little bit inspired and I hope you'll have a little go to you know spread your net and see if you can't make a little bit of extra income because it's always useful to make a little bit of extra money but it also spreads your name across you know other areas you know which is which is good you know when you have a magazine article I always ask them to um, put my website whichever one is is you know most useful for whatever that thing was at the bottom of the article so that people can come along and find you if they're curious and you know it's all a little bit of um you know helping to get your name out there which is all part of the whole author thing okay well 
all remains to be said is that have a happy new year. I hope 2023 is a great one for you and that you, you know, feel inspired to um, spread your wings and make a bit of extra income and spread your name in other ways. I don't know, as aforementioned, who my guest is next week, but I'm sure they'll be amazing. I've got some great people lined up and I hope you'll come along and have a listen to whoever that might be. Uh, in the meantime, remember that the Words and Pictures podcast comes out every Monday. Do tell your friends and spread the word. And uh, I hope to see you across social media and all that kind of thing um, in the meantime. Also, I just thought I'd mention that if you'd like to come on the podcast, I'm really not that hard to talk to and I'll help you along. And I do edit them. So if we make a few mistakes or fall into fits of giggles and things like that, it's all fine. So do get in touch if you'd like to share your writer's journey. Uh, we'd love to hear exactly what's happened to you. It doesn't matter whether you're a beginner or whether you're an unpublished even. I'd like to know exactly how that feels and what your next steps are and what you're planning to do. It doesn't matter if you're uh, an independent author like myself or a traditionally published author. It's all good. It's all good to hear everybody's stories. So the Words of Pictures podcast comes out every Monday. Um, and uh, I'm DJ Bowman Smith, or in fact, Tiger Molly. And you can find me on social media, um, mostly under DJ Bowman Smith. But I am on TikTok as Tiger Molly quite recently. So come along and find me there. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye bye.